this season, if you've forgotten, let's do a recap. We've had like parables. We learned all about the kingdom of God through the parables that were spoken. And then we've had some incredible, mighty miracles. And we've had opposition happening over here. And we've had the disciples. They were released to go and minister. Um, And then Pastor Darren, he had the, you know, the death of the beloved character. John the Baptist was dramatically killed off. And then in between there, we've had Pastor Phil last week, who just brought an awesome message of power. So, and Mark is the gospel of power. So it's quite fitting that it's all coming together. And today we get to read Mark 6 and we're starting at verse 30. And if you've got your Bibles open, you will read the title will probably say something like, Jesus feeds the 5,000. Hands up if you've heard of this miracle. Fair few hands. Hands up if you've already heard a sermon preached on this miracle. Yeah, what about two, three, four? There's lots of sermons on this miracle. Hands up if this is the first time you're hearing about Jesus feeding the 5,000. Oh, there you go. Well, strap on in because maybe it's not what you expected from previous sermons, but it is an amazing miracle, right? So I'll, I'll spoil it for you. Jesus takes five loaves. Well, you already know because you've all heard it. Jesus takes five loaves, two fish, and he miraculously multiplies them to feed 5,000 men, which actually is probably something like 15,000 people because they weren't counting the women and the children that would have also been there. So that's pretty crazy. I mean, if my Christmas dinner table looked like that, I would be super stoked. If I could just buy five loaves and two fish and it was like this never-ending five loaves and two fish, I mean, how easy would that be? Hands up if you'd like that for Christmas. I'd actually probably just like that for my kitchen cupboard right now because I feel like it empties way quicker than I can actually keep up with putting things inside of it. Um, but I often, have you ever stopped and kind of gone, how did, it, how did it happen? It doesn't actually say in the Bible how it happens. It's actually very, it's like two little sentences. You've got this whole passage and it's just these two sentences. Jesus broke the loaves, Jesus broke the fish, gave it to the disciples, everyone was fed. But I often stop and go, it's really good to like try and picture things. How did it actually happen? Like did they just walk around with this loaf of bread and as they pulled off a bit, they went back to it and it was just miraculously there? Or did they have a basket with one loaf in it and every time they took a loaf out, they went back to get the next one and the loaf was already there? I don't know, but it's pretty fun to think about it. And do you know why we should think about it? Because why can't God do similar things like right now? They were just ordinary men walking in an ordinary time where loaves did not suddenly multiply. Um, So sometimes I love to think of the practicalities of how the miracles actually outworked so that maybe I'm bold enough to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to do some in my own life right now, right? But um, I was reminded this week, actually, as I was studying, that for a long time, people thought that Mark's gospel was actually really unsophisticated. Scholars didn't give it a whole lot of credit. It it was clunky. He'd just taken all these stories and some stories he has like long explanations and some stories are super, super short and they're just thrown together with this word immediately or and and it just appeared to be a little bit not as literarily beautiful as some of the other gospels that had been written. 
But the interesting thing was that was until the Holy Spirit helped them to see the purpose of Mark. And I think this is really important when we're reading this passage today because it helped, it's quite a long story. And Mark goes into a lot of detail about the conversations that are happening. And there's actually quite a long introduction to the miracle. The miracle itself is right at the end. So why did Mark include all of that? You see, Mark wasn't just writing this historical biography of Jesus. He's not just writing stories for you to read and go, oh, that's nice. Now I know what Jesus did when he walked this earth. Mark is actually writing a very powerful defence for a crucified Jesus. He's showing people that the power and the glory and the miracles that we see in Jesus when he walks this earth is the same power and glory and miracles that he actually demonstrated when he was on the cross. Because a lot of people thought the cross is this weakness and this shame, so that negates everything that he did back here in the ministry. But Mark's going, no, no, no. You actually have to see the entire picture and know that the power of Jesus is just as evident. Actually, it was all leaning to this point, the power of Jesus is so evident in the cross and this is why he is the Messiah. So I'm going to tell you about all the mighty miracles that he did and the incredible teaching that happened and we're going to lead right up to the most powerful moment when he actually completely conquered sin and death on the cross. It's all connected. He is the Messiah. And so whenever we're reading the Gospels, we're always asking this question, particularly when you're reading Mark, you're asking this question, what is Mark trying to tell us about Jesus in this story? It's not just a nice story. And sometimes with things like the five loaves and the two fish, which you've heard at Sunday school, if you've been to Sunday school, and you've made a craft for it, and you've seen it in kids' books, and it will always be in, you know, if you get a kid's Bible that sometimes doesn't have all the stories, five loaves and two fish will be in there. Like sometimes we relegate these stories to just stories, and we miss things that God wants us to actually learn about Jesus because all scripture is breathed by God and inspired and is useful, even the introduction. So I'm going to get stuck in one verse today and you're going to love me for it by the time we get to the end. Let's see, hey? Hang on a second. So we're going to start, or we're going to read the passage. Let's get the story in our head. So we're starting from verse 30 and we're going to read to verse 44. So Jesus, or the apostles, sorry, gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. And he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognised them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day and the disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But 
Who said the other day, there's always good things after the but? (laughs) But he answered, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Can you hear that? Are you crazy, Jesus, in the background? Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? That's such a wise response, isn't it? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. They literally end up with more food than when they started. They've got these 12 baskets full of leftovers and they started with five loaves and two fish. It's an incredible, huge scale size miracle that Jesus has just done for a very practical need. They just needed to eat, right? And we're used to Jesus doing amazing miracles of healing and setting people free, but I love that he also cares about the very practical needs that we have. Oh, there are so many sermons you could preach from this message. Like you could, you could just go off in a tangent about how Jesus cares about your practical needs and he will meet them. So I'm sure there's a sermon out there and if that just really spoke to your spirit, go and find it and listen to it or spend some time with Jesus going, Jesus, do you care about my practical needs? Because he really, really does. And if you trust him and ask, wait and see what he will do. Anyway, back to the message. So our story today actually picks up where Pastor Jez left off. Who remembers Pastor Jez's sermon? Yeah, what was it? Pop quiz. Jesus sending the disciples out. So they're going to go out and they're going to minister. And they do. And they come back to Jesus. And so our passage actually starts with the disciples are coming back to Jesus to report everything that's happened. And they have had, you know, this incredible time. They've done obviously a lot. I am sure they had amazing wins. And I'm also sure they probably had some failures too. And they want to get with Jesus and they want to talk and share with him. And it says in here that they hadn't even had time to eat. So it's obviously been a full-on ministry time. And so Jesus says, well, let's go away. We're going to get in a boat. We're going to go to this solitary place. And we're going to have some time together. So they do that. And they arrive in this place. And who is there in front of them but the crowds? The very crowds that they are actually trying to escape from or leave from and go away to have some time out. I was standing there and sometimes when I read Jesus stories I think when they say crowd I think oh yeah 30 people. Like, Do you ever do that? I just think there was a little crowd but the Bible tells us like they got to the edge of the well they got to the edge of the shore there was like 15,000 people there probably because they fed 5,000 of them later and I just think wow how would I have reacted 
If I am completely honest, I would have had so many really, really good justifiable reasons to get back in that boat and let's go find another solitary place, Jesus. We really need to rest. We have just ministered hard. We need to refresh. We need to be made whole again. We need this time with you. We're your disciples. We're going to be the ones going out and doing all the stuff in the future. So I'm very justifiable in working out that it is not time to minister to those 15,000 people that are standing right in front of me. Is that just me? No? <laughs> Thank you. I, um, and I, so I was really stuck on this verse, right? Verse 34. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began teaching them many things. I'll tell you what, I learned a lot about Jesus just in that one verse that you could pick away layers upon layers and have that heal your soul, but then also inspire you as to who we are meant to be as disciples of Jesus, right? This single verse just completely floored me because so many times I've read this story and I've rushed to the miracle and I've marveled at the miracle, but I've actually missed Jesus and who he is right there in that miracle. Before we get to it, we see something awesome about him in that he had this compassion for people. Right? Compassion is way more than just sympathy or pity. If you actually look up compassion, it is a feeling that arises when you're confronted with someone's suffering, but it's so much more than a feeling. It's, it's a call to action. Like you have to do something to help relieve the suffering of the person that is in front of you. And the Holy Spirit stopped me and he said, did you know this whole miracle happened because Jesus had compassion, because he saw something different on those 5,000 men and those 15,000 people than I'm seeing when I'm looking out and I'm just seeing a crowd that wants something from me and I just need to go and have a rest. Jesus saw life so differently. You know, we can learn so much about who we are meant to be as disciples when we actually look at what Jesus did. And I, I am, I'm so thankful that Jesus is not too busy and that people are not too insignificant for him and that he didn't get to that shore and have too many other important things to do. And if we're honest, most of us live life through our filter. We filter the things in front of us based on what we need to do or, or what our inner circle needs at that time. But Jesus lived a life and saw through a God filter. Everything that he did was incredibly intentional. And so because God is love and God hates suffering, when Jesus arrives and he sees these crowds and they are suffering, he sees them as sheep without a shepherd. They are lost. They have no meaning in life. They are chasing after something. They're hungry for something. There's another sermon. Are we hungry for something, right? They are chasing after something. And this reference to sheep without a shepherd is you could, you could contrast Jesus with the Herod that we saw in Pastor Darren's sermon. Like Herod is their leader. They should be being led by Herod, but Herod is having this drunken and debaucherous feast over here where he just wants to save face. So he actually goes and kills somebody that he really likes. 
He is not leading. That's a leadership sermon, right? He is not leading them. And so they are actually people that have a leader by title, but they have no leader for their life. And they are looking for someone who's going to give them meaning and going to give them purpose. And Jesus sees that. He sees something different. He doesn't see a crowd that just want his attention. He actually sees them as God sees them. And so in this story, Jesus' compassion for them actually creates the moment of ministry that we now all marvel with is the five loaves and the two fish moment. And you know what I also find interesting is that as disciples who are maybe really looking forward to that time with Jesus, if we actually have a look at the bigger picture and step back, they get ministered to in this moment. They actually get a revelation of who Jesus is in this moment that um, perhaps they, they, that's what they were thinking they were going to get as they go away and they spend time with Jesus. And God's like, do you know what? When you step into this ministry, you're not left behind. You don't miss out. God will always minister to you when you step into a moment of ministering to other people. And if they could actually see that picture, there's this whole incredible motif behind this story that Mark is writing about because it links back to God has promised that he will look after his people in the wilderness. He will give them rest and he will restore them in like dry and barren places. He will bring life and he'll bring streams of living water. When people are empty, he will teach you. He will bring like words of life that will sustain you. There's this whole picture of Jesus that the disciples were meant to be seeing. They're good Jewish boys. They should have known like the the Old Testament prophecies about Jesus being the shepherd that looks after the sheep, about how Jesus will provide uh, the food and he will provide rest and restoration in the wilderness. They're in this like solitary place. The people are hungry and Jesus is literally feeding them. He is feeding them with words of life. He is feeding them with food. That's what the disciples were meant to see. And so they were actually getting ministered to in that same moment. I love that. I love that. And please don't hear this as you never, you never have time with Jesus alone. That's not what this message is about. Because if you read the Gospels of Jesus, Jesus went and had time with God alone so that he knew the Father's heart and so that he could see what God was doing. This is about being intentional in our walk in life. As we walk through life, we are going to have moments come before us every day that we If we're seeing with God's eyes and we're seeing people as God sees them, we're going to have these moments where we could actually step into a ministry moment with them. I felt like the Holy Spirit say, how often are we interrupted in our lives? How often do we just fly through a day and get to the end, right? And we did everything. But if there's an interruption that comes in, what do we do in those moments? How do we react in those moments when our life's plans get interrupted by things? 
Because maybe, just maybe, the interruptions are actually moments where God is setting up a powerful time of ministry where somebody else is going to experience Jesus, but also where your faith is going to be built. How incredible would that be if we actually lived life with this expectation? That's our favourite word for the day. We've got to live with an expectation that we don't want to go through a day without being interrupted. You might be sitting there going, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I actually... That's a good question to ask. I don't love interruptions. I'll be completely honest. I've been asking myself, am I willing to be interrupted? Am I willing when the Holy Spirit taps me on the shoulder and says, hey, see that person over there? Why don't you go talk to them? Or when you see people on the fringes or, you know, when you end up in that slightly awkwardly longer conversation with the lady at the checkout line or the barista or the, you know, someone somewhere and you kind of, you get that little thing in your spirit, I could actually go here. I could actually go a little bit deeper than surface conversation. I have this amazing friend in this church who inspires me all the time and I asked if I could share her story about being interrupted. And, you know, she was off giving out Carol's flyers, which is a very important mission, and um, her car got parked in. And so she couldn't leave. I'd be really grumpy. But she's not. And she sees this homeless lady... And she sees her as God sees her. And she takes a few hours to sit with her and talk with her and actually genuinely listen to her story and where she's at. And she brings words of life and she buys her a meal. She helps her get accommodation for a night. And that is a moment that you don't know what actually happened in that lady's life, in that moment. There are moments in my life where I've had ministry from Jesus that I look back now and I go, that was such a significant moment. Like that literally changed my life. There are moments where people have spoken into my world that I can look back on and go, that was a marker in my world. I was going this way, but now I'm going this way. Or I was bound up by that thing and now I'm walking in freedom. And I will love to hear that lady's story one day about how that moment actually did something. Maybe it's, maybe it's slightly opened her to hearing about Jesus. Maybe it will link her into something somewhere else. She actually went back the week after to see if the lady was still there and she wasn't there, but she met another person. And so she spent time with the other person. And I love that story because that is like a practical, that is something we can all do. We can all take our interruptions and instead of going, oh, this is so annoying, maybe we just take that moment to go, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do in this moment? Maybe you interrupted me for a reason. And how awesome is it to think, what if, what if there is a five loaves, two fish moment in your world tomorrow. Like I'm not talking about abstractly, I'm talking about real life. What if 
There is a multiplication of something, a miracle, a healing, a word of knowledge, a prophetic word. What if there is something that is like this unmistakable breaking of the kingdom of God into our world that happens tomorrow because you embrace an interruption? You know what? It takes faith and boldness to walk like that. It really does. But if we're seeing the world through God's eyes, then what I love is that we also get to see His provision. So if we keep reading this story, we see the disciples. There's this long conversation between the disciples and Jesus is just totally setting them up, right? He is, he is asking them, hey, you guys go and feed. And they're like, we cannot do it. We, we don't have enough money. There is no possible, feasible, practical way that we can actually feed this crowd that is in front of us. Jesus knows exactly what He's going to do. But it is becoming very clear that the disciples are only seeing practically. They can only see what's right in front of them in this world that they live in. Jesus is walking to a different vision. He knows that He has God who has all the riches of heaven and nothing is impossible for Him. And when He breaks that loaf, He looks up to heaven. He is honouring God. He is blessing God. And He is allowing God to do something that He can't physically, we can't practically or physically do in our own strength. You know, the disciples see these practical limitations, but Jesus sees incredible opportunity. Like we can learn so much if we just take a moment to kind of sit in those scriptures and watching how the disciples are reacting and watching the words of Jesus back to them. The disciples are seeing these five loaves and two fish. That's all we've got, Jesus. But Jesus is seeing God's infinite resources. I wonder how often... We kind of shrink back. Like we don't feel like we could step out in faith and boldness because all we're seeing is the practical reality. That person is sick and I can't actually bring healing. Or that person has needs that are so huge that I can't actually do anything that will significantly change. Like this lady that my friend went and saw, like those needs are huge. Her life is so missing things. Like she needs shelter. She needs a job. She needs love. She needs people. She needs to belong. She needs a community. Her, her needs are so huge. The government can't fix that. But Jesus can come into a person's world and dramatically change things. And people can come into a community of God and, and look and who knows what can happen, right? There are miracles that Jesus wants to do that if we're only seeing with practical, then we will actually shrink back. When those moments come, we'll like shrink back and go, I want to, but I just don't know if you will, Jesus. Which is why we start by spending that time with Jesus so that we have the full confidence in Him that if we step out into that moment of ministry, that the Holy Spirit will come through. That the Holy Spirit is gonna work in their lives, even if it doesn't turn out the exact way that you think it should have happened. You know, even if you go back next week and they're no longer there and you kind of thought you might go back and find out, oh, this has all happened since I had that moment with them. Trust that the Holy Spirit is working, right? 
We get to live life now looking back on this story of Jesus and we know the ending, but we have a choice each and every day whether we'll actually live from the revelation. Like we can just close up the book and go, that's a great story. But the challenge for us is to live from it. Like every day can literally become a plot twist in our worlds if we choose to see the way that Jesus sees. So I really felt the Holy Spirit challenging us this week. What does that look like in your world? Is that something you're like, yes, I so want to embrace this. Or is that something you're like, golly gosh, I don't know if I want to be sitting in this sermon today. But think about the people in your world. You know, we've just sung about revival. Revival isn't for us. If you're sitting in here and you know Jesus, revival's not for you. That's awesome. You're going to get to experience the presence of God and and you're going to have like incredible experiences and you're going to know Jesus better. You are going to uh, get something from revival, but revival ultimately is for all the people out there who do not know Him. And sometimes I think we sing about revival for us. Yes. I want like awesome experiences of the Holy Spirit and I want to be filled and, but then what? Like revival doesn't have a purpose if we don't take what we get out there. If we don't actually fully embrace and believe that Jesus is able to do what He said He will do, if He's able to take five loaves and two fish and multiply them to feed 15,000 people, then what can He do when we walk out these doors? What can we do if we actually allow Him to interrupt all the stuff that just normally happens in our lives and we are willing to step out in faith and boldness and meet people right where they're at. What could happen? I really feel, church, that we've got to slow down. I know we're going into the busy season, but we are people of God. We walk to a different tune than the world. There is like so many opportunities in this season There is actually so much pain and heartbreak for people in this season. There is so much relational breakdowns and hurts and things that get stirred up in this season. There are people that cannot give their kids what they want to in this season. And they feel like they're failures and they feel like they don't just live up as a parent, there are, there are people that are lonely in this season. They do not have family around them. And this season just highlights that they are on their own. There are so many opportunities for ministry. And we can go into this season and we can be like, yeah, we're busy, we're doing this, we're going here, we're getting this, we're doing, 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 doing. But we are meant to be people of God and I really feel like we've, we've got to slow down this season. We've got to be interruptible. We've got an incredible carols event. We've got an incredible Christmas at home. We've got opportunities where people can literally hear the words of Jesus that we can be inviting them to. But also you are a walking, talking gospel. You get to share the heart of Jesus with people as you are meeting them. That is who we are as disciples 
of Christ. And if we can take anything from this story, it's that we are meant to be interruptible by compassion, seeing people for who they are, and then choosing to faithfully and boldly step into the moments that Jesus puts before us.